0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lanz. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. First Samuel, chapter 14, verse 4, Do you remember when Jesus sent the disciples in the boat and he said, we're going to cross over to the other side. Oh, you of little faith, why did you? Why'd you doubt? Why'd you take your eyes off of me? What's the subject matter? Faith. What's the boat about? Building faith. He is the author and perfecter. He's going to finish it too, but he's in the faith perfecting business. Something you need to know about God. He's in the faith perfecting business. And sometimes when you're in a rocky boat or a difficult situation or a rocky crag, dad's up there under the tree, big enemy over there, you might be right where God wants you to be because he's a faith stretcher. You know, the three to three and a half year ministry of Jesus with the disciples is really about that. He was trying to get them to increase their faith. Do you know we often call the Christian life a faith journey? It's going to lead us one day to the ultimate destination, to the ultimate promised land. It's not easy. Those ravines look easy to you? No. Steps of faith are rarely easy. Indeed, I would confess to you, they challenge me to my core because I'm a self-starter and I like to do things and get stuff done. And Oftentimes, I think Pastor Chris mentioned this in the last few weeks, God says, wait, What? wait. I don't like waiting. I don't even like that clock when you're waiting for your burrito at the fast food place. That annoys me. (laughs) Anyway, just a personal confession. Then Jonathan, Jonathan said to the young man, to the armor bearer who was carrying his armor, come, let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, very similar to what David said about Goliath, perhaps, would you notice that? Perhaps the Lord will work for us. Now, if I'm the armor bearer, I'm going to question right there. What do you mean perhaps? (laughs) You're this giant of the faith. Don't be throwing a perhaps in there. I like to parse language. (laughs) Certainly would be a much better option at this point. (laughs) What do you mean perhaps? He says... Perhaps the Lord will work for us, but the Lord's not restrained to save by many or by few. Do you see a little bit of irony here? Saul's up on the mountainside going, how many do we have again? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 556, 557, 558. We had 3,000 the other day, 559, 560. And his son says, hey, God's not hindered. He can save by a few. Do you remember earlier in the book when we studied when the Philistines decided that the the Dagon couldn't take any more in his temple? Dagon had gone down several times, and he was all broken. He needed several doctors, several specialists. And then the Ark started traveling through Philistine territory, and everywhere it went, there was nobody there. It was only God. David's gonna uh, he's gonna slay Goliath with. One man, one young man, unexpected, can't even wear the king's armor. You see, God doesn't need a ton of people, He just needs one or two committed people. Do you want to be that person? Can I make a personal challenge to you that I challenged myself in my office before I came over here? I don't want to just read about faith stories. I don't. I don't want to just read about faith stories and then go home to my normal life. No thank you. I want to live them. And I've been living a few. And I even remember I told a person not that long ago in a meeting, just have faith. (laughs) Those words will always come back to get you. Just have faith. God's gonna show up. And then we I went through about three months of going, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, I don't know what's happened, I don't know it's this disaster. I was on the rack, man. <laughs> Talk about faith? Okay. You wanna encourage other people's faith? Okay. Let me stretch yours a little bit more. No, Lord, I'm just talking, I was just talking on the rack, man. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I have more to learn. You see, the Lord, he's not restrained to save by many or by few. NIV says, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few. Here's the deal, folks, quickly. I don't think this is Jonathan lacking faith. I think this is Jonathan simply giving a biblical definition of faith. Here's what it is. Biblical faith says, I believe God will, but he's not bound to my belief. In the great scene when the three Hebrew children, teenagers, are before Nebuchadnezzar. They say, if it be so, Daniel 3.17 and 18, God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king, but even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O king, We are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Listen to this. He will, he's able, he will, but even if he doesn't. You see, that's biblical faith. Because God is not restrained by my great faith. I can say, I believe, but it's always gonna fall under God's sovereign will. I believe God wants to work. Genesis eighteen fourteen, the Lord said to Abraham, "Is anything too difficult for the Lord?" Job forty two two, Job says, "You can do all things, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted." Jeremiah thirty two 7, 17, Jeremiah says, "Ah Lord God, behold, Thou hast made the heavens, the earth, by Thy great power, by Thy outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for You." The angel Gabriel says to Mary. Luke one thirty seven. nothing will be impossible with God. And Jesus says to the disciples, after they say, who can be saved? Matthew 19.25 and 26, Jesus said to them, with men it is impossible, but with God, remember? All things are possible. But get this, get this. In Mark 14.36, Jesus said, Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet... You see, in the same statement, he said, I believe everything's possible, Father, yet not my will, but yours be done. In the word faith movement, they often teach that faith is a force. Words are the containers of the force, And if you simply speak words of faith, you can create your own reality by your confession. Positive confession brings blessing. Negative confession brings anti-blessing. So they call it, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. (laughs) It even came out in the book, The Secret, which Oprah, by the way, pushed on her program A new age lie that you simply speak words of faith into the universe, whoever the universe is, and the universe must obey you. So you pull out your wallet, not a lot of money in there, and you say something like this, wallet, (laughs) universe, do you hear me? (laughs) Wallet, you're a big fat wallet, presto. I can tell you one thing. The only one who had a big fat wallet at the end of the secret was the person who wrote the book. That's usually how it works. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't honor faith. I think all over the Bible God does that. But presumptuous faith? Please hear me well presumptuous faith, faith that does not take into the will will of God into account. You cannot take the God of the universe who's running everything and say, if I push this button, you must do what I say because I use the right formula. Let me ask you a question. If you think you can do that, then who's God? You? See, you have become God now. And that's what sells the right formula to get what I want done in my life and on the planet. And so he says, we're crossing over. We're going to believe God. I believe he's going to work. I don't think he's bound by what I'm doing right now, but I believe he's going to work. And his armor bearer said to him, you crazy, (laughs) and went the other way. No, he didn't do that. His armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Turn yourself. Here I am. I'm with you. According to your desire. Can I read the NIV? It says, Do all that you have in your mind or heart. His armor bearer said, Go ahead. I am with you. Heart and soul. I don't know if you get that moment, folks. But that's a life-changing moment. That's when a friend of yours looks at you and says, I believe we can start this ministry. I believe we can charge this hill. I believe that God wants to do this thing in this community, in this city, in this state. I believe with many or a few, God can do this. Let's charge the hill. And a friend in the faith with a linked and yoked heart says to you, I got your back. I'm with you. You know, I have some men in my life and a sweet woman (laughs) named Brenda who have followed me up some hills. And uh, your pastor, I'm a visionary, what can I say? And uh, sometimes I've lacked faith in my life and there's been other times when I've just said, you know what, I'd rather fail believing God than stay under some tree somewhere. Do you agree? And it's pretty cool when you turn around and you may not have a lot of people with you, but a good friend says, let's go, I'm with you. That's a movie moment. Somebody's going to make a movie about that. And Jonathan said, look or behold, we will cross over to the men and reveal ourselves to them Ride out with me the bond of faith. Now here's the sign. I don't know if this is spirit-inspired. The Bible doesn't say, but Jonathan says, if they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. That'll be the sign. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given. You see the phrase, the Lord has given? That's what the name Jonathan means. Write that down in your Bible. Jonathan's name means the Lord has given. That is the Holy Spirit, folks. He's given them into our hands, and this shall be a sign to us. And when both of them revealed themselves, apparently they hid under the crags for a while. Then they revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, some of the main forces. The Philistines said, Behold, Hebrews are coming out of the holes. I think they said that kind of laughing. They don't have any weapons, <laughs> right? Where they've hidden themselves. What are they going to do? There are only a couple of them. So the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we'll tell you something. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me for the Lord has given them into our hands or into the hands of Israel. If you have the NIV, it says the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. <laughs> look at those two Hebrews they don't even have swords what do you think they've got I don't know maybe a little quote a Bible verse <laughs> I don't even think they cared I don't even think they paid attention for the rest of the time and Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet bear crawl here in Hebrew just kidding but with his armor bearer behind him, and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer put some to death after him. They were you know, uh, in single file, and who Jonathan didn't get, the armor bearer got the other guy. Now, I don't know. Maybe he took Saul's sword. I don't know, but they've got a couple of weapons here, and they start taking people down. And that first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men within about a half a furrow in an acre of land, or about half an acre, I think the NIV says. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field among all the people. Even the garrison and the raiders trembled. And the earth quaked so that it became a great trembling. The ground shook. It was a panic, NIV sent by God. After the people were trembling, God said, here, I'll give you a little extra shaking. You see, God was there. Because whenever you step out in faith, he says, I'm with you. Interesting note. During World War I, a brigade major in Allenby's army in Palestine succeeded in taking Mikmash by copying tactics of Saul and Jonathan. According to a report by Major V. Gilbert, the Turks were utterly confused and all were killed or taken prisoner. Close quote. Wow. You see, once you get some of them scared, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, and they all started moving around. You see, the Lord made the earthquake. David will say this later later in 2 Samuel 22. The Lord, the battle is the Lord's. Now Saul's watchman in Gibeah, Benjamin, looked, and behold... You know, they're scrambling around. What do we do? What do we do? The multitude melted away and they went here and there. They're scrambling in the Philistine camp. Hey, hey, boss, <laughs> they're scrambling down there. What happened? I don't know. And Saul said to the people who were with him, hey, do that count again. <laughs> now, number and see who's gone from us. Didn't we just count 600? And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. Who's, who's done this? Who went out from us? We're trying to get information from the Urim and the Fumim. We're trying to get the priest. I know he's Ichabod's nephew, but come on. This could work. Who's gone? Who did this? Uh, it's always great for the parents to hear. Your son and his friend. They're the ones. They're missing. And Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. We need all the implements we can get. For the ark of God was at that time, or it could be on that day with the sons of Israel. It was in Carith Jerem, but apparently they brought it out for this uh, occasion. And it happened while Saul talked to the priest that commotion in the camp of the Philistines continued and increased. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw, withdraw your hand. I don't know if that's from the ephod or the ark, but I think he was trying to get all the spiritual implements there. You got the ephod, you got the urm and the thummim. Let's get the ark there, and we'll start asking God for guidance. And then, do you see Saul's irreverence here? Hey, you priest, get the ark over here. Hey, get the arm, hey, get the ephod. Saul's got no reverence for things sacred. That was part of his problem. And so he says, never mind, you don't need that. I think I have enough evidence within the camp. So Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and came to the battle. It's a good time to join the battle when the enemy's scattering, right? Good time to join, eh? And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was very great confusion. Get this, folks. The Hebrews didn't need swords, God caused so much confusion that the Philistines started killing one another. That's just to show you that the battle is God's. Now the Hebrews who were with the Philistines previously and who went up with them all around in the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Even the defectors said, hey, we're back on board. And when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines had fled, even they also pursued them closely in the battle. And so the Lord delivered Israel that day. Don't miss that. And the battle spread beyond Beth-Avon that's further to the west or northwest. Would you bow your hearts with me? Father, this is such a great battle scene and it's, there's so many lessons here for us about obstacles to faith, a shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the fiery darts or flaming missiles of the evil one. One good thing for us to know is that they will come. And if they come, we often like to think, and I think it's right, that we're doing something right. If there's some extra spiritual warfare, it's probably because we're not retreating. We're taking a stand. Help us to take our stand having done everything to stand. Thank you for Jonathan's example. Just with a few, what, what overwhelming odds, what incredible faith and courage this young man had. It's no wonder that David and Jonathan became good buddies. They both were brave, adventurous They believed that God was big enough to deal with every problem of life. And Lord, we've got our Goliaths and we've got our Philistines and we've got our invading armies and obstacles to climb and rivers that need to be parted in life. And they can seem so overwhelming to us, Lord, and so big until we realize how big you are. And then they just melt away. Because you give the victory and as we look to a cross on this night, we realize that you took something that was such a terrible death instrument, such a terrible miscarriage of justice and you turned it into our greatest victory. You triumphed over principalities and powers, triumphing over them through the cross. We are We are victorious in you. We are more than conquerors, more. Help us to believe. Lord, increase our faith. We say that with the most genuine heart we can. If you're here tonight, you've not started that faith journey with Jesus Christ. It's a great night to start. Believe on his cross, his finished cross, his resurrection. Believe on him. He's the one you must trust. Jesus Christ, author and perfecter, finisher, who died and rose for your sins and your justification. Repent tonight. Receive him as your savior. Don't put it off. That's the first act of faith. And he'll give you the strength to take the step. Pray pray it to Him. You don't have to have a perfect prayer. Maybe it's a prayer of recommitment tonight. Maybe it's a prayer that your faith will be on fire again. Maybe it's a prayer for a little bit more courage this week to take a step of faith. Whatever it is, Lord, meet every precious person that's here tonight where they are. We love you, we worship you, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the armor bearer said, "Go ahead, do what's in your heart. I, I'm with you." Moving into chapter fourteen, verse seven, and of course they did. They crossed over and they they set up a sign to know, uh, you know, what God had, uh, what He was showing them, and and if it, He indeed was with them. And you know, some people question whether or not we should ask for signs, but here they did ask for a sign, and they got one that affirmed, confirmed what they were to do. I think of the the scene in the Lord of the Rings movie when Aragon says to the king, ride out with me. When all the numbers were against them, it looked like all hope was gone. And a man decided to get on his horse and ride and cross over and do what looked like it couldn't be done. But because with God, folks, let's remind ourselves, all things are possible. You know, maybe you're in a position where you say like the man with the demon-possessed child, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe you would say like the apostles after Jesus taught them about forgiving your brother, Lord, increase our faith. These are good prayers. Help my unbelief, increase my faith. Strengthen me in the inner man, Lord. Help me to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, folks, the Christian life is a journey. It's an adventure. But in order for it to really be an adventure, you got to get up off your couch, man you got to get in the game. You have to, to decide that you want to fight the good fight of faith. That you want to cross over to the other side and experience some victory. And if you'll take some steps of faith. Of course, guided by your Bible, by the Holy Spirit, of course. But if God's been nudging you, prodding you, man, it's time to get moving. It's time to get in the game. It's time to say, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play today, not tomorrow. I don't want to watch on the sidelines anymore. I want to get in the game. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org.